This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome back to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam. I'm your host, and we are helping take your leadership to the next level. And to do that, I have Richard Blackaby with me. Good to be with you as always, Sam. Always a pleasure. Uh, we've got we've got a lot of ground to cover today, so I think we'll just jump right in. Sure. Uh, we are doing the segment about um, where we look at uh, great leaders throughout history, and today, uh, why don't you tell us who we're looking at? I thought uh, today we would look at uh, Amer- the United States' uh, 18th president. 18th. Which is? I, if I had to guess, I'd say <laughs> Grant. Ulysses S. Grant, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is a little interesting right now because he's uh, shown up. A, there's been a little bit of controversy recently. Uh, a lot of the rioting that's been taking place lately, uh, his uh, statue was torn down, which was kind of interesting since... Uh, uh, he is the one that uh, essentially brought an end to the Civil War and uh, to the freeing of all uh, slaves. Yeah. And uh, and yet uh, Grant's also quite a controversial character in a lot of ways. So uh, uh, he he doesn't always uh, he's not always cited as an example of great leadership for just a couple of reasons. And and I quite yeah. frankly I feel like history has not been uh, fair to Grant. Hmm. So we're going to set the record straight today. Yeah, well, <laughs> glad we're we're doing this then. <laughs> you know, Grant, uh, I, like uh, a lot of the people we've looked at, I'd say all the people we've looked at, is a flawed person. And the problem right now, actually, with some of the uh, things going on in society is that we look back into history, and if a person had a flaw, uh, if, he weren't, if they weren't perfect, we condemn them and throw out all the contributions they made. And... Uh, the fact is, for me, I'm always more impressed with someone who accomplishes a lot, even though they had uh, shortcomings. They, yeah. they to, to manage to overcome shortcomings personally, so that they can make a contribution to society at large, I think is quite significant. Which you know, I don't know that there is a a, a figure in history who didn't have some shortcomings. Yeah, that that they had to overcome. Uh, and you know, Grant, uh, there's there's things about him I think, just purely from a leadership perspective, that um, make him someone certainly worth looking at closely. Uh, he actually, I was looking, and he is the. If you go to Andrew Jackson, who was elected for two terms, fill and served his full two terms in the 1830s, you don't find another person who is elected two times in a row and serves out his full eight years healthily until basically Franklin Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- you, you've got uh, Wilson that uh, is elected twice, but he actually suffers a stroke in the second term and is all but uh, an invalid. His wife is kind of running the White House in the, the last months of his uh, presidency. But So if you don't count Wilson, then and and Theodore Roosevelt also serves almost two terms, but he of course he's not elected the first term. He's uh, he McKinley is assassinated and and Theodore Roosevelt just takes over. And so, as far as being elected two times in a row and serving all eight years, you go about a hundred years, and the only guy to do it is Grant. And wow. so that's uh, to me pretty significant. And of course, Grant also. Uh, essentially brings an end to the Civil War. 
And if you if you are a student of the Civil War, just looking at it militarily, uh, the South just took it to the North uh, for some time. And uh, even though the North had more industry, they could make cannons and bullets, and they had better train system and all those kind of advantages materially. And they, they had more people in the North. They could just they could recruit more soldiers. All the advantages pretty well lay with the North, and yet they kept losing. And they, they couldn't seem to defeat Robert E. Lee. And Abraham Lincoln was stressing out, trying to find someone who would just yeah. just go down there and beat Lee, like just go take it to him. And he'd get all these generals who were all very, uh, very ambitious, wanting to be famous, loving the limelight, but they just couldn't do the hard work of going toe-to-toe with uh, an adversary and overcoming him. And so until Grant comes along. And Grant um, is able uh, finally to bring an end to the war. And, uh, and I think uh, for when you understand that, when you understand how many people tried before him, then uh, you can certainly appreciate uh, what he finally was able to accomplish. So what would you say is that what made him capable of doing that? You know, if we've looked at this before, and it just seems almost as if a prerequisite to being a great leader is that you have to have struggled earlier on in your life. And Grant is one of those people that just, uh, I guess what it kind of endears me to him is that he had such a difficult uh, early part to his adult life. Uh, he's a small uh, stature person, basically. When he, uh, and, and the thing about Grant is the first half of his life is just almost a series of failures, uh, of, of, uh, of just different problems and obstacles coming up that seem to just almost curse him to never being able to be successful. Uh, he, he's not, uh, he, uh, he ultimately is about five foot seven inches tall. Uh, he, when he, which is unusual for a leader. Yeah. To be, I'm yeah. Sure. Typically you're a bigger stature. He was about 135 pounds. Uh, so he's not, he's just, he's not a big man. He, he goes to West Point, but, but even that is a m- mistake. He, uh, his uh, in-laws uh, are Democrats and they're slaveholders. And, uh, and so when he, uh, when he applies uh, to West Point, uh, a congressman decides to, he's kind of reluctant to even recommend him to West Point, but he finally does. But uh, the guy doesn't really know who Grant is. And, he, and so he, he submits his name improperly. His, his name was actually Hiram Ulysses Grant. But uh, he, but the guy puts in the name as just uh, Ulysses S. Grant. He he actually submits his application to West Point with with the wrong name, <laughs> and he becomes known by that name for the rest of his life. And so that's interesting. Right off the bat, Grant is like his name is completely bungled, and he has to live with that the rest of his life. And it's almost as if all the powers that be just could not seem to get Grant right uh, for the longest time. And so he goes uh, to uh, West Point and um, he finishes 21 out of 39 in his class. Uh, he is at the, it's, it's interesting, he's almost at the bottom of his class in, in subjects like tactics, which is, gonna, is very interesting since he'll end up being um, the, the leading general in the entire Civil War. Uh, yeah. The only thing he's good at is riding horses. In fact, there was a horse there that was uh, 
so wild, so strong that nobody could ride him except Grant. And he, in fact, he at one point took that horse and jumped a barricade uh, in a sort of a contest and, and jumped higher than anyone had ever jumped on a horse before at West Point, and his record stood for about 25 years. But the thing about Grant is that he's a very humble guy, and he goes uh, out of the war, and, he, and he, after, when he graduates, he has to serve his uh, about four years or so obligatory service. But he gets married, and he's a family man. In fact, uh, what the, his uh, his uh, biographer says he would have just he he would have happily been a, just a family man, a rumpled sort of shopkeeper that no history never heard of if it hadn't been for the Civil War. Hmm. Um, and so he kind of is putting in his time, but he gets sent all the way out to to California, and he's missing his wife and missing his kids. He's a homebody, and uh, ultimately he takes to some drinking. And uh, the, the biographer says that Grant is, he was known as a cigar smoking guy. He'd smoke about two dozen cigars a day, and ultimately he's going to die of throat cancer. But, um, but he's also known as a hard drinking man. And some of that just comes from the, the legend that uh, he ultimately gets uh, drummed out of the army because of his drinking. The biographer says he's only 135 pounds and he couldn't hold his liquor. He said so <laughs> he'd take one drink and start slurring his words. And so uh, he kind of contends that he didn't drink nearly as much as legend kind of made him to be. It's just that... Uh, it didn't take much. It didn't take much. And and even if he's slurring his words, it didn't mean he was necessarily drunk. Uh, it just meant he, you know, he, he started to sound like he'd been drinking. And so... He actually gets drummed out of the army. Now, here's hmm. a guy who's going to end up being the, the, the highest-ranking military leader, perhaps in American history at that point, uh, and he gets run out of the army. Now, that ought to tell you that just because you have a, a tough beginning doesn't mean that uh, yeah. you can't succeed later on. And, uh, and so he begins looking for the next seven or so years— uh, just trying to find some uh, some kind of uh, work of some of some sort, and uh, it, when you read his biography, which uh, by the way we'll we'll put in the show notes, but uh, a great a great biography on him is by Gene Edward Smith. Uh, I just found it very well done, very enlightening, yeah, very sympathetic toward Grant certainly, but um, without necessarily you know whitewashing his uh, shortcomings, but. Uh, but he, but when you read that, you're just blown away by how many times he goes broke, how many times he gets overlooked, or a partner uh, doesn't pay him what he he's owed, or the government, even though he's the the best qualified person, the government hires someone who's in the same political party as they are instead of Grant, and um, and he it it gets to be just humiliating for him. Uh, he's got a wife and kids. He's just trying to just trying to provide for his family. Yeah. He goes into farm. I mean, it just it's like you'd think this had to be made up. I mean, he'll 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 buy a farm and he'll have these what this wonderful crop, and then all of a sudden there'll be uh, a huge uh, downturn in the economy and and produce is worthless or there'll be a big flood or they'll. He'll, at one point, he, he and a partner bought a big block of ice, and a ship was bringing it down, and they were going to make a fortune selling ice in San Francisco. Well, then there's a huge headwinds. Uh, the, the ship comes in three weeks late, and the ice is all melted. <laughs> it's just like it's just like unbelievable. And the, Now, the thing about Grant that the author does say is that he was scrupulously honest. And now, later, and, and 
later when he's president, there's going to be some scandals that will, will take place in his administration. And that's part of why Grant is not rated more highly as a president. But the fact is, Grant was never charged personally with any kind of uh, wrongdoing of any kind. He, but what, his, what the biographer says is that he never met a businessman that he didn't trust. <laughs> He's a pretty <laughs> trusting person. And part of that, I, I really believe, is because Grant was fundamentally an honest man. Yeah. And he just couldn't see guile in other people. And, and certainly that was a weakness as a leader, um, was that he would trust people he shouldn't. And so that particularly just does him in in business. He's just yeah. taken to the cleaners over and over and over again. And he won't lie. He won't uh, embellish uh, anything for a, a sale. And so he, he's he's too honest, really, to be a good salesman. But yeah. uh, but he's too kind-hearted um, uh, to take advantage of other people. And so he, there's just a like a dozen different... Um, times where he uh, d- he tries a business and he's sure this time that he's going to you know, make a, a good living and be able to provide for his family and then some natural disaster or economic downturn or embezzling partner or something will happen and he's, he ends up destitute and so he has to sell, he gets down to where he's selling firewood on street corners. Uh, and yet, uh, what's interesting too about Grant is there's a, there's a wonderful story. It's kind of ironic because Grant, uh, he, he goes to West Point and he's with a bunch of people. Uh, for instance, Stonewall Jackson will come along uh, near the end of his time there. Uh, General Longstreet is uh, a student and becomes actually Grant's best friend. And, of course, Longstreet is going to be uh, General Lee's right-hand man through the Civil War fighting for the South. And Grant is going to be fighting Longstreet, who was, his, uh, I think, his best man in his wedding. And wow. so you don't, you don't, you, you, it sort of helps you appreciate the, uh, the, the Civil War, what it did. In fact, uh, three ushers at Grant's wedding will all surrender to Grant at Apotomax. Appomattox. I can never say that right. At the end of the Civil War, Mm. he's got three ushers and a groomsman all surrendering to him uh, from his own wedding. Yeah. And so, uh, and so, at one point, when when Lee or when Grant is at his his worst, where he's got no money, can't uh, he can't get a job, no matter how hard he tries. He sees Longstreet, passes him in the street, hasn't seen him since his wedding. And he comes back the next day with a $5 coin, gold coin, hands it to to Longstreet and says, I've owed you this uh, for some time and uh, I'd be mortified not to pay you now that I know where you are and I can give it to you. And Longstreet can tell by his tattered clothes and the fact he's been selling firewood that the guy, the Grant needs the money far more than Longstreet does. But uh, Grant just insists and says, no, a debt owed. I just couldn't live with myself without paying it. Mm. Here's a guy who can't feed his family but uh, wants to, to live with integrity. And so that's, that's kind of the, the person Grant is. Ultimately, he just cannot find a, a, a living uh, out of the Army. And so he finally goes back to his father. His dad is, uh, runs a tannery business and asks his dad if he can work. He'd, he'd vowed he'd never ask his dad for a job, but he finally has no choice. He does, 
and ends up, his dad, the only job he's got for him at the time is kind of a clerk where he has to work for two of his younger brothers. Hmm. It's just a humiliating, uh, and he's not paid all that much. It's just as kind of a starter job. And that's basically what he's doing when the Civil War breaks out. And uh, so he goes, uh, he goes to apply uh, to volunteer at the, in the Army, and uh, the general that he goes and tries to meet with keeps him waiting for days, never does really talk to him. Just, and, and here's a guy, again, who's going to end up being the highest-ranking military man in the entire country uh, when the Americans had the biggest army they'd ever had. And he, he can't even get a hearing to apply uh, into the army to get back in. In fact, he, he, right before he finally does get enlisted, he said, he, he actually said, I'll, I'll, I'll be a baker. I'll bake bread for the army. Just let me do something to help the cause. And wow. they can't even, he can't even get a job baking bread for the army. And yet he will ultimately be the top military commander by the end of the Civil War. And, and that's, that's one of those things where you just look and say, here's what history does. You know, it's, um, if it had not been for the Civil War uh, at that time, we, we'd never know of Grant. Certainly he'd never be the president. If you like what we're doing and would like to support our work, please consider making a donation. Even a little bit will go a long way toward keeping this podcast going for the months and years to come. To support this podcast, click on the link in the show notes. We are truly grateful for our wonderful community of listeners. Finally, it's like when you read that period in his life, it's like everything goes. It's like the gods, the Greek gods who are just determined to like... Uh, make everything he tries yeah. fail, you know, yeah. just like that. He's cursed. Finally, uh, a, 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 he's in, uh, believe in Illinois, and uh, a, a, a somebody there, there's a there's a, a regiment that's been uh, recruited out of Illinois, and the commanding officer cannot control his men, and these men have actually rioted and destroyed property and looted and. They have to fire the, the, the commanding officer. And so somebody says, I think we should, let's get Grant. He, he served in the Army back during the Mexican-American War. Let's, uh, let's get Grant. And there's a big debate, but finally they agree. This is the most unruly unit in the entire Union Army. And they, they, there's a wonderful story where these guys who've literally, they've rioted and looted and, and run off their previous commanding officer Grant comes in, he's got ragged clothes, he, like it's it's threadbare uniform from like 15 years earlier. <laughs> uh, he looks uh, slovenly. Grant never walked. Uh, in fact, Grant despised show and pomp and circumstance. He he always dressed down. Uh, there's an interesting story when he did, when he first got his real uniform at West Point. He actually put on his finest uniform and went strutting into town, thinking everybody would be impressed with him. And two different people made fun of him, a kid and then a drunkard, imitating this wannabe soldier walking down the street. <laughs> and Grant was so humiliated by that, that he, th for the rest of his life, he would never wear a sword and he'd never wear any of the ostentatious sort of you know, accoutrements that go with yeah. military dress. He always dressed down, always looked really kind of scruffy. 
And so he comes scruffy to this unit that's just run off its commanding officer. And they and the, the, the people who witnessed it said uh, a number of these unruly soldiers begins to make fun of him and to kind of laugh at like this is who's going to be. <laughs> we ran off a, a, a real officer. Now we got this wannabe guy that hasn't even been able to hold a job in like almost a decade. And they said one one look from Grant. And they just and the and the biographer says they just knew that they were dealing with a different kind of man. Hmm. And what what and and now Grant was never uh, strict uh, authoritarian. In fact, what Grant does is he immediately stops a bunch of need like the, the the former guy would have them marching all day long in the heat of the day and just kind of silly rules that weren't necessary. Grant was always a person that just stayed focused and. Um, kept it simple and and he very quickly endeared himself uh to his men and ended up with one of the best trained uh disciplined units in the army and uh the biographer says grant always had his critics but you never found any critics among the men that he commanded the people that he actually led uh people from afar would look and criticize but nobody that worked with him criticized him mm. and so he uh, begins his uh, upward track, um, and he and, and he had uh, some interesting things to say. Like he, he was a, he 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 was kept things very simple. He's not a brilliant man. He didn't finish very high. In uh, interestingly, that in, in in his class and during when he was there, uh, two of the people that for himself number one, and then Stonewall Jackson also didn't finish very high. And what's interesting is they were good at actually leading. They weren't really good at writing tests in school about leading. <laughs> uh, and so, but he would say things like uh, uh, that when it came in, in terms of uh, focus, uh, he would say things like, uh, the art of war is simple enough. Find out where your enemy is. Get at him as soon as you can. Strike him as hard as you can and as often as you can and keep moving on. <laughs> he just, uh, just kind of said, keep it simple. Uh, his biographer says something interesting. He says, every setback seemed to enhance his inner strength. Grant uh, was not brilliant. His appearance was not striking. His personality did not shine. He was not visited by the flashes of inspiration that animated Stonewall Jackson. He did not have Lee's Olympian presence. His mind lacked the subtleties of Lincoln's thought. Sometimes he blundered badly. Often he oversimplified. Yet he saw his goals clearly and moved toward them relentlessly. You just get the sense that you know that the dark period of his life where he couldn't hold a job down that was building that perseverance that grit even that we've talked about before that uh he's just not going to let it go uh until he until he reaches that goal yeah and and it it humbled him and it and, and the, his biographer says uh he was different than all the the commanding officers before him because he couldn't be swayed by flattery yeah, he, he had that knocked out of him early on in his life. And yeah. uh, in fact, there's a story, I think, after the Battle of Chattanooga, that uh, there were hundreds and hundreds of Southern uh, soldiers that were being taken away as prisoners. And they're all glumly being marched along. And uh, Grant uh, rides up with all of his officers. And all the other Northern officers are kind of smugly looking at this this Southern trash being marched away to their prison camps, and they're the victors. And uh, the the biographer said, as Grant watches all these uh, his enemies uh, being led away to their to prison, Grant r raises his hat uh, 
and holds his hat up in tribute to his uh, fallen enemy or his defeated enemies until the last Southerner walked by. Well, it was a Southern, one of the prisoners who actually told that story later mm. and said, uh, and, and they just said after what Grant had been through, there's just no way he could be vindictive. Um, wow. He had been humbled. And so when he saw someone else humbled, uh, he, um, he, he, he knew what it felt like. In fact, uh, at, uh, when General Lee finally has to surrender uh, at the end of the Civil War, uh, Grant actually writes very honorable um, uh, terms for him uh, that where he can keep his honor and the soldiers. And, and, and Grant, of course, has fought this very bloody, uh, costly war, but he wants there to be peace. And, uh, and in fact, um, when they finally uh, signed the, the, the treaty and there was a northern uh, uh, officer that wanted to s- s- like have all the bugles play kind of a victory song as all the Southerners are having to, to, yeah. to march off, and, uh, and Grant stopped him and said, those are our brothers now. Those aren't our enemies anymore. They're mm-hmm. our brothers. Let's start treating them like brothers. Uh, and uh, when after uh, Lincoln is assassinated, uh, Johnson becomes president and he decides that he wants to punish Lee and Jefferson Davis, basically wants to hang them. Uh, after all the northern soldiers who'd been killed in fighting against Lee, he, uh, he felt like Lee should go on trial and uh, be hanged for his crimes. And basically, Grant is the one that stops it. In fact, Grant says, I'll resign right now uh, in protest if you arrest Lee. He said, we sign terms with him as long as he keeps his terms. Uh, we, we, let's not be vindictive. Let's start, let's start healing uh, and, and not keep on wedging uh, differences between us. And the uh, thing about Grant is uh, even when he was his poorest, when he was the most destitute, uh, at one point, um, his father-in-law gave him a slave. Just Here's a gift, you know, happy birthday. Here's <laughs> a slave. And uh, th- at that time, the slave would have been worth maybe $1,000, which in our day would be, you know, maybe upwards of $50,000. Uh, and, and Grant was unemployed. Grant was uh, desperate for money. In fact, one Christmas, he had to sell his, his only valuable thing he owned left was his gold watch. He sold it just so his family could have presents and food for Christmas. So he's given this $1,000 gift of a slave. They, at the very least, he could have sold the slave. But he just couldn't stand the thought of having a slave or the, 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 the principle of slavery. And so he, he sets his slave free. Uh, doesn't even get, earn a dollar from it. And here's a guy that's destitute selling firewood on street corners to, to feed his family. But he just sets his slave free. Uh, but, but Grant had seen the... Uh, the pain of failure and uh, that kind of thing. And so Grant, uh, of course, leads again, finally fights uh, against uh, Lee and all the other Northern commanders were scared to death of Lee. Uh, they were more afraid of what Lee would do to them. And in fact, at one point when Lee or when Grant's finally in charge, he chastises his officers and says, stop worrying about what Lee is going to do to you and start thinking about what you can do to Lee. And, uh, and all the other officers were trying to avoid Lee. Uh, when Grant's finally in charge of the whole army, he turns to General Meade, uh, who works under him, and he says, this is what I want you to do. He says, wherever Lee goes, you shall go there too also. <laughs> he said, just follow Lee. And everybody else tried to fight battles of positioning, like a chess match, where you didn't actually fight very much. You just tried to outmaneuver and yeah. position and so on. 
Grant said, "There's just you'll never you'll never defeat him that way. The only way to win the war is you got to destroy the enemy. So just keep pounding away at the enemy." And at a certain point, that caused a lot of casualties, of course. Uh, and sometimes people looked at Grant and said, "Well, he's just this hard drinking general that doesn't care about his officers and his men." Uh, but Grant just understood that. Uh, in fact, when Grant when it, when it's first announced that Grant is now in charge of the Northern Army. Uh, a bunch of the Southern generals and officers all laughed and said, oh, General Lee will have his way with Grant. Grant's just a bumbling drunkard. And Longstreet, who was like probably the number two man under Lee, he, uh, he said, no, we've, you're dealing with a different man. He said, I was the groomsman in his wedding. I was in school with him. He said, you better get ready to just get toe-to-toe with this guy and stay in the ring with him because he won't quit. He won't, he won't give up. He won't be discouraged. And and basically, it, it wasn't pretty, it wasn't brilliant, uh, but but that's what he does, and uh, and ultimately he's victorious. And his downfall is that he's too trusting. He's uh, it, when he be, and he's and he's very loyal to his friends, even yeah. to a fault. And so he brings some people in around him. Uh, Grant was never ever accused of being corrupt, but he brings some people in that ultimately will fall to some corruption. And, uh, and unfortunately, he uh, trusted people that shouldn't have been trusted, uh, which certainly is a leadership uh, shortfall on his part. But when you, when you watch the way he treated the South um, after he's, uh, he's president, uh, he has a very enlightened approach uh, to, uh, to that whole issue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and I think that history is, is now beginning to see his contributions and the integrity of his leadership uh, in a, in a light that's much more positive than it used to be. And so when you talk about Grant as a leader, um, oftentimes you immediately say, well, wasn't he just a hard drinking kind of guy? Yeah. Uh, and, and even after he finishes being president, when you, when he was president, when there was no retirement fund, you you, once you weren't president anymore, you didn't get paid anything. And so he's destitute and ultimately he has terminal cancer, throat cancer, uh, and it looks like he's going to leave his wife and kids with destitute, penniless, which just breaks his heart. And um, and Mark Twain actually comes along at that time and wants to get Grant's memoirs written. And he and he helps him and says, if you'll just, I'll help you get these published, and you and your wife will have money and so on. And so as he's dying, Grant is writing his memoirs. And uh, even though he's in some extreme pain, and ultimately. He, Ultimately, Grant basically just starves to death because he just he has no feeling in his mouth anymore, and he can't eat. He he finally just can't eat anymore, and he ultimately will die that way. But uh, when he's done, uh, to his word, uh, Mark Twain gets the the, uh, the his memoirs published, and they are wild bestsellers. I think ha- over half a million copies are sold uh, quite soon, and uh, even to this day, they're considered. Uh, one of the best uh, presidential uh, uh, memoirs hmm. uh, that uh, have ever been written. Wow. And he does it I- as he's dying, basically to, to provide for his wife and kids. And uh, so right to the very end, it, he's, it's just a tragic figure, you know. That yeah. So many ways, uh, it seemed like life and fate are going against him. And when you look at that and then you realize what he accomplishes, you realize, wow, like... Uh, you know, he for a humble guy who'd been knocked to the the mat a number of times, uh, he he accomplished a lot, and uh, and I think that's an inspiration to each of us to say you don't have to be a giant, uh, brilliant, 
you just got to be a guy who perseveres and looks yeah. for that moment that God has you on this planet to, to make your contribution as well. Well, that's great. And uh, we'll leave links to the sh- in the show notes to the biography that you used. And uh, yeah, it's, it's always fascinating it to see these leaders from history. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackme.org.